This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. This episode is brought to you by Kensington Publishing. From award-winning author Suzanne Chazen comes the latest Jimmy Vega mystery, A Blossom of Bright Light. Latino police detective Jimmy Vega must strike a precarious balance between the local immigrant community and his hometown's most powerful and privileged citizens during a dangerous murder investigation. Full of hidden secrets, racial tensions, and unexpected tragedies, a blossom of bright light is the mystery you can't miss. Available now wherever books are sold. Read the first chapter of A Blossom of Bright Light and more at kensingtonbooks.com. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have it, or maybe today you can. And uh, today our topic is meatloaf. Woohoo! And before we get to that, we also we have a special guest, um, but Molly, I want to tell you something. Did you know this is our 200th episode? It is? Yes. How is that possible? I don't know. Why do these things keep happening? I don't know. I feel like this is one of those things where um, we're not old enough to have a 200th episode. That's exactly right. Like, I have an 11-year-old. You have a 200th episode. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, happy 200th episode. Thanks. You too. Should we should we celebrate in some way or should we just... Uh, I think that was our acknowledgement. Well, I might have a second piece of meatloaf to celebrate. Awesome. Okay. And our guest today in the studio here in Seattle, uh, he's on book tour. Uh, he may be coming to a city near you, but that would have been like long before this episode aired. Uh, <laughs> his name is Jay Kenji Lopez-Alt, and he writes for uh, the Food Lab series for Serious Eats and is the author of the awesome new, very heavy book, The Food Lab. Kenji, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So I chose meatloaf. So this, I, I think, I think it was my idea to do meatloaf because I read there was an excerpt that we'll link to um, on Serious Eats of the meatloaf recipe and uh, and copious headnote from your mm-hmm. from your book. And I'm not sure if I've ever made meatloaf before, but when I read this, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I really want to try this. It really does sound different from other meatloafs. I mean, well, the end product is not—it's not that different, right? No. It's, it's instantly recognizable as meatloaf, um, but but hopefully, it's you know, it's a pretty good one. Um, but yeah, it does—it does have a couple of techniques in there that um, sort of attempt to at least optimize uh, a few of the things that I think make meatloafs more meatloafy. 
when when you say optimize, it sort of sounds like we're coding a meatloaf. <laughs> engineering, engineering. Yeah, I like that you used optimize mm-hmm. and meatloafy in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, well, or meatloafay, as they say in France. <laughs> should we? Um, I think we should start by taking a, a stroll down memory lane, okay. talking about the meatloaves of our youth. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenji, let's make you go first. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I didn't eat meatloaf at home. My mom never made meatloaf. I mean, she she was like heavily schooled in the uh, like the sixties Betty Crocker school of home cooking, um, but she never made meatloaf. Uh, my, my memories of meatloaf actually come from uh, summer camp. Um, I, I, went to, oh, I went to band camp. Um, yes. Uh, I was a violinist and I went to band camp, um, but we had this great, uh, great chef. <laughs> Where do you stick that? <laughs> All right. That was obvious. <laughs> um, but yeah, my memories of meatloaf are really good meatloaf at band camp. Um, and oh, it was good at camp? I actually, yeah. So okay. we, we had our, our chef there, uh, this guy, Glenn, Glenn Meekum. He's, um, he's actually a chef at Smith College now. Um, I was going to say. He retired, but. Wait um, a minute. This is amazing that you know the name of the chef at your band camp. Oh, he was, that like, is I mean, weird. he was like legendary. I mean, he's like really? one of my food idols. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I've actually always That's wanted so to go cool. back to my band camp and cook with him. So maybe I'll try and make that happen. Sure. Sometime. But no, no, he, everybody loved him. He was great. Um, he made really great meatloaf. Um, uh, it was a little bit different from this one, but you know, same basic. It's like a slice. It looks like a slice of bread, but it's meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I would eat it was um, I'd always get a squirt bottle of ketchup and a squirt bottle of mustard. Um, and then we'd draw, draw pictures on the meatloaf. Um, <laughs> so, like pictures then- like what? Oh, like, you know, like you, you could do like a little house with the, mm-hmm. with the sunshine, you know, with the lines coming out of the sun. Um, you could draw dirty pictures. We sometimes sure. do dirty pictures. I think dirty naughty, pictures make it taste naughty, better. Naughty. Yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and so Glenn was his name? Glenn. Yeah. And and what else did he serve to round out the old meatloaf meal? <laughs> um, you, I would say it was usually probably steamed green beans, maybe. There was a little far, there was a little farm on the on the camp as well. So sometimes um, uh-huh. they would use us as um, child labor to pick beans for our dinner. Um, so Whoa, you went to an extremely classy band camp. <laughs> it was a fun one, yeah. It was, was it like all violins? Uh, it was it was a chamber music camp. Oh, of course. Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, strings and winds, plenty of plenty of flutes there. How how old were you at this time? I, what, let's see. I went there from the time I was well, from the time I was like nine until I was seventeen, like all through high school. And the whole time you were like, you know, I'm supposed to be going here to to learn music, but actually I want to be like Glenn the Chef. <laughs> um, well, at the time I didn't want to become. I mean, you know, I didn't I didn't start cooking. I didn't really actually start appreciating food until I was in college. You know, I remember like when I was a college freshman, and um, I had a girlfriend at the time whose uh, parents took me out to dinner at a fancy restaurant in Boston. Um, Radius was the restaurant, and I just remember like looking at the menu and being like. This is fish. I'm not going to eat that. Like this is a salad. Uh, what can, and I ended up ordering a steak, which is the most boring thing you can order sure. at, at a fancy restaurant. Because um, there was nothing I wanted to eat, so I, I didn't actually start cooking. And I didn't start liking food until I started cooking. And I didn't start cooking until the summer after my sophomore year of college. And and that was accidental too. I just kind of I was looking for a job as a waiter, and one of the restaurants I walked into said, um, "You know, we have a line cook. Uh, we have a prep cook who didn't show up this morning." If you can hold a knife and you can come in tonight, then you can have a job in the kitchen. I was like, okay. Nice. Um, and I did that, and it turned out I really liked to cook. So is meatloaf something that you uh, you started making when you first started cooking? Or is it something where, as you kind of started working uh, in in the, the food so I was a I was a fraternity chef for a while. Uh-huh. Uh, so I cooked I cooked dinner. It was a co-ed fraternity, but I cooked dinner for like forty to fifty people a night for a while. Uh-huh. Um, and meatloaf was like probably a once a month staple. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of when I first started making it. And my early meatloaves were not very good. Um, but, but college food, I guess, is never particularly good. They didn't seem to mind. How does a co-ed fraternity work? 
I, I'm not sure. I think this may there's be a the lot first of incest. I've heard of, there's yeah. a lot of incest. I, I mean, actually, my wife is in the same fraternity. So, sure. um, and, and actually, I think at least 80% of our friends now are couples who met in the co ed fraternity. So, there's oh, quite course. a bit of incest. Was so, it ever called a co ed sorority or did everybody call no, it? No, well, it was, it was because it started as an all male fraternity and then it went co ed in 1969, actually. Wow. Um, what a year. Of course it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Matthew, what, what about you? Tell, tell us about your, your meatloaf of. Well, of memories as usual like my memory lane you know you go down it a few steps things start to get fuzzy you like walk into a fog i think we had meatloaf i think my mom made meatloaf when i was a kid i know i ate meatloaf sometimes when i was a kid i don't remember ever really liking it because i think it was always kind of dry my meatloaf as a kid i had sort of the opposite experience i distinctly remember my mom making it. She would go to Crescent Market, which was like the neighborhood grocery store where they sold the, you know, the the three meat mix that is often yes, sold as right. meatloaf mix, so mm-hmm. pork, beef, and veal. Mm-hmm. And um, she would use that as the basis of her her meatloaf. I think she used boxed croutons in it. Okay. Like Pepperidge Farm, like seasoned croutons. This is so much better than it sounds, guys. And No, it um, sounds great. Yeah, it sounds good and to me. chopped <laughs> onion. Uh, anyway, and she had a glass loaf pan because I remember being able to see all of like the juices and the, right. the weird like gray slimy stuff that sometimes right, comes right, off right. of meat. And then as at the end, cooking. it comes out like almost like comfy, like it's like it's totally. like simmering in a pool of its own fat. Absolutely yeah. simmering in a pool of its own fat. <laughs> hot, and hot tub I of meat juice. Love. Yeah, I'm sure you thought of it as comfy when you were a kid. <laughs> I. Loved it. I totally loved it. Um, you know, despite the the kind of yucky picture I've painted of, of <laughs> these juices burbling, it was fantastic. I've never understood why meatloaf is considered this very unglamorous, sort of like yucky, you know, ugh, not meatloaf again kind of thing. I mean, I think part of it has to do with, the, I mean, meatloaf is a terrible name. It it's really terrible. is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, any foods that come in, foods that aren't bread that come in loaves are, I mean, pimento loaf, meatloaf, I don't know what else. But and yet, a, a singer took it as his name. Yes, yes. I mean, sort of tongue in cheek, but I think it worked out. Mm-hmm. So your meatloaf, you know, mm-hmm. l- like you said, it comes out, you know, very recognizably. It's not, it's not like you know, uh, meatloaf with. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, it's what, not like a deconstructed. It's not a deconstructed yeah. meatloaf. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and your book, like, it, that's really like the approach to almost everything in the book. Like, you know, how do how do we take this this dish and make it uh, better, but still very much what it right, is? Right. Right. Yes. I mean, that that is. That is you know, I when, whenever I start working on a recipe, the first thing I do is always a lot of research. Um, and and a lot of and a lot of like sort of surveying. Um, I, you, like I use social media a lot to survey people. So like I'll say things like, you know, what does what does meatloaf mean to you? Or like, should does it can a meat <laughs> loaf have a glaze or should it be baked in a pan or like should it be baked freeform so I, I like to sort of get an idea of what it really means to people um, because the last thing you want to do when you're writing a recipe for a home cook is sort of make them end up with something that isn't what they wanted in the beginning you know? yeah so I, I have a question about that which you know r- reading your book you know, there is some sous vide in the book and there's yeah. uh, you know you can use you can use one of the newer sous vide machines or you can uh, just cook in a uh, in a beer cooler right, um, right. which which maintains the temperature really well how do you decide, like, as a recipe developer, when when an ingredient like crosses over from being like a weird thing that some chef <laughs> is doing in New York in his laboratory yeah. to something that I can plausibly suggest that people do at home? Well, I mean, so on, online you can take a little more liberties, you know, because they're because online like 
I think things are freer online. Well, everything is free. Online. Oh, yeah. So you can do whatever you want. And if people don't like it, you know, whatever. They're not paying for it. So you don't have to make everybody happy. Um, when, I, when I'm doing a book and, you know, I'm asking people to pay money for like a physical object, um, I, I tried really hard to make sure that um, there's no like there's no weird ingredients at all. Like anybody, anybody, anybody anywhere in the country will be able to open up this book, pick a recipe, go to the supermarket and buy the ingredients for it. Um, and will most likely have the equipment they need to make it at home. Now, you say there are no weird ingredients, but the meatloaf recipe did call for <laughs> Marmite. That, all right. That, that, that is an exception. Yeah. That, so Marmite is one of uh, what I call my umami bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marmite, anchovies, fish sauce, soy sauce. You see those ingredients called for a lot in the book. Um, basically, anytime there's something that you want to boost the meatiness of, you're probably going to see one of those ingredients inside uh, in the recipe. Um, so Marmite, yes, might be an exception. You can order it online, so that makes it pretty easy. Um, but also, you know, I think... Um, I have a question. Yes. I so, think I know what your question is going to be. Oh, what is Marmite? No, I know what oh, okay. Marmite is. Oh, all right. No, but um, so I, I, I have not read... You know, <clears throat> in a uh, attentive way through the <clears throat> list of ingredients in your meatloaf. Okay. Is, is Marmite like the only umami bomb, quote unquote, in it? No, there's there's anchovies in it too. Is there is there also soy so, sauce? There is also soy sauce. Yeah. So yeah. why not why sauce. not, for instance, fish sauce? Because I use fish sauce in my meatloaf. You meat can. Oil. Yes, that's that's a very good question. And, okay. Uh, there is no reason why not fish sauce. It's okay. just I, I I picked those three. I could have picked a different three. Um, re, you know, really, the, the idea behind them, so I mean, one question might be like, why don't you just use only anchovies? Um, and the reason is because if you triple... Why don't you make your meatloaf from 100% anchovies? <laughs> um, the, the reason is if you if you triple the amount of anchovies um, and cut out completely the Marmite and soy sauce, then your meatloaf tastes like anchovies. Um, similarly, if you triple the amount of soy sauce, it tastes like soy sauce. So by combining three of these sort of like elements that are rich in glutamic acid, that's what gives us that umami sensation. Um, you, c- you can boost the umami without really making any one of them sort of noticeable. But yes, you could easily replace one of them with uh, with fish sauce. And, and okay. I think I'm, I think my bolognese recipe in here uh, has fish sauce in it, too. I think so, yeah. yeah. Cool. Now, are we just like tiptoeing around? Like, are, are, is this just a way to not have to call for MSG in a recipe <laughs> and like have to deal with people complaining, you know, MSG gives me a headache? Uh, well, it, I, so I, I, I admit I do have on my stove next to my next to my stove i have a container of salt and i have a container of msg mm-hmm. and i do use the msg you know i grew up in a, a japanese like my with my grandparents and my mother who are straight from japan um and msg doesn't really have the stigma there to, that nope. it does here um so we had we had msg and we would like add it to our like rice balls we would add it to our soup um and so i, I do use it at home um yeah you know home cook a lot of home cooks here are a little more leery of it um probably not rightfully so because i think every bit of research that's ever been done on it shows that uh it doesn't actually really affect people the way people think it does um but you know at the same time using something like anchovies um it actually has other advantages over msg you know msg is pure monosodium glutamate um it's glutamic acid it it gives you that sense of umami um anchovies actually have other chemicals in them as well um most notably uh inosinic acid which is um uh what's the thing that proteins are made of amino Amino acid. acid yes it's another amino acid that um that sort of boosts the effect of uh, glutamic acid. Um, so by putting the two together, it has a sort of synergistic effect that makes it extra umami. So so anchovies, marmite, things like that actually do work a little bit better than pure MSG. But but yeah, if you have MSG on your, on your uh, counter, you should use it. I did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I like how, uh, you know, that uh, you, you tell people to like, you know, put a steak in a Ziploc bag and throw it into a beer cooler for right. an hour, but like calling for MSG, which is available in every super, supermarket, like that might freak people, people out. They freak out. Yeah. yeah. 
This episode of Spilled Milk is brought to you by Carnivore Club, the subscription service that brings exceptional quality cured meats to your door, made by America's most talented artisans. Carnivore Club is an amazing gift for your meat-loving spouse, family member, or coworker, and this is like really good stuff. You know, it's really good stuff. Uh, we're talking about like La Quercia, Odelis uh, de Bois, like you know makers you've heard of, and some like you know cool artisan makers that you haven't heard of yet. I saw um, a jerky on there made by a company called Field Trip. That sounded pretty good. Which is a great name for a jerky company. I know, seriously. Like, I, I wish we could go on field trips as adults. <laughs> well, maybe. Okay. Maybe with your Carnivore Club box, you can. <laughs> maybe we should start a business called Adult Field Trip. It might be misinterpreted. <laughs> the number of boxes you wish to gift can be customized. You can choose a single box for, let's say, Cousin Vinny. Uh, to g- if, if you're Marissa Tomei, for example. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, you could send 12 glorious months to your beloved spouse. Yes, and this month's feature is California's Angel Salumi, and you can get $10 off a gift or subscription when you enter the promo code MILK at checkout. Visit carnivoreclub.co to give the best gift to the discerning meat lover in your life. I noticed once again that there's no slogan here, and we should really come up with a slogan for them. (laughs) Carnivore Club, go on an adult field trip. No. (laughs) I like it. So, Matthew, this is the first meatloaf you've ever it's made. It's my first meatloaf ever. Congratulations. I think. Lori once made the meatloaf from your book, Molly's book. Okay. Which was good. Which is like a, a, a extremely tweaked version of my mom's. Okay. I think it was so when the, we were three testing. Meat mixture. Yeah. So I do the three meat mixture or sometimes just beef and pork. Mm-hmm. Um, I use fish sauce in it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel use... like there should be a song called She Do the Three Meat Mixture. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Um, I use fresh breadcrumbs instead of mm-hmm. the croutons, although those croutons are really delicious. <laughs> Um, I cook the onion. Oh, that's the other thing. My mom yes. put the onion mm. in raw. Oh, yeah. And then it gets that kind of steamed onion flavor. Yeah. And then holes. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes. So yes. I cook the onion. Uh, I saute the onion. Uh, and then what? Oh, and I do mine free form. Okay. Yeah. Which I, yeah. So let's talk about, I love how thorough mm-hmm. everything you do is. But of course, <laughs> this meatloaf. Uh, okay. Maybe we should start at the beginning. At the beginning. Okay. So we like with the cow. Let's talk about all the weird stuff that he does with this meatloaf. Like, can we, it has gelatin in it. It does have gelatin. Okay. It does. You're, you're, on, you're in the interrogation room now. What is this gelatin <laughs> doing in the meatloaf? Um, well, okay. So you, you, you go back and you're talking about your three meat mixture, your pork, your beef, and your veal. And, and all three of those things add different things to the meatloaf. So, so uh, the pork adds a lot of fat, and it adds that sort of like velvety, luscious mouthfeel to it. Um, I, am I allowed to use the word mouthfeel? I feel like a yes, lot of people don't like the word mouthfeel. Oh, no, I like it. Okay. I love it. Um, the beef adds a lot of flavor. You know, beef is adult adult cow, or more, more likely juvenile cow, um, that um, has, you know, had some extra. <laughs> Size, it has built up some flavor in its muscles. Veal um, is baby cow, um, and it's it has uh, muscle that's very high in gelatin. It's very high in connective tissue, um, and that gelatin, um, as it cooks, it conver- uh, sorry, well, it's high in collagen, and as that collagen cooks, it converts to gelatin, um, and then that gelatin forms this sort of protein matrix, uh, and that's what retain what helps your meatloaf retain juices. So, so the point of the the veal in a traditional meatloaf mix um, is to help it 
retain juices, um, to make it moister, uh, make it more velvety. When I was working on this recipe, um, I, I basically decided I didn't want to call for veal um, for a number of reasons. Like, yeah. first of all, like it gets a bad rap these days. Mm-hmm. Um, um, second of all, it's like it's not always easy to find. It's mm-hmm. much easier to find ground beef. And and thirdly, it's actually pretty It's pretty bland. You know, people buy veal for the texture. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if you're buying a veal chop, you're not looking for big flavor. You're just looking for that really sort of melt-in-your-mouth sure. texture. Um, so, so by eliminating the veal, you get more flavor because you just double the amount of beef. You get more flavor. But then you also lose the gelatin from the veal so you just you can just add that back in the form of powdered gelatin um i i reconstitute the gelatin i think in chicken stock and buttermilk that's right yeah yeah and then mix it in it's actually um i I, my my colleague at cooks illustrated um uh turned me on to this method um a number of years ago probably like 10 years ago something like that wow that's so cool there is, um, you know, for anyone who hasn't bought the book yet, you should, because in the meatloaf section, there is a terrifying picture of a meatloaf made with all veal. <laughs> and, like, I, I want to just back away. Yeah, yeah. I, I call them the uh, the meatloaf varietals. There we and, go. Uh, <laughs> we have an all pork and all veal and an all beef uh, meatloaf. And, yeah, and they have very, very different textures. What about seasonings for it? What Where is it getting its flavor other than the flavors of the meat? Well, you might say the secret ingredient is salt. Um, Ooh. <laughs> no, I mean, there, there's obviously the umami bombs. There's the anchovies, marmite, um, and soy sauce. There's mm-hmm. salt. Um, and then uh, and then I use um, a mixture of, well, there's onions, uh, mm-hmm. onions, garlic, carrots. Was there celery in it? There is celery, celery. Yes. Yeah, so a basic mirepoix, mm-hmm. um, if, if you want to be fancy about it. Um, and uh, a little bit of paprika. I think that's it. Oh, some ground mushrooms, too. Yes. Yeah, some ground up mushrooms. Okay. And that also sort of um, helps add that meatiness um, while also making it a little bit lighter. Um, it, it comes out much denser without those mushrooms. But but the real trick, um, as you noted, you know, cooking the onions, putting them in raw, I think, is a mistake. It gives you that mm-hmm. steamed onion flavor. And if you put mm-hmm. it in carrots or celery raw, it's even a bigger mistake. They come out kind of crunchy. Yeah. Um, so the real, the real trick here is you... You actually cook them down quite a bit. Um, I grind them up in the food processor, um, all the vegetables, and then uh, cook them down with chicken stock and gelatin and buttermilk and sort of make this like super concentrated flavor base. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you sort of fold that gently into your meat. And that's that's what provides a lot of the flavor in there. So mm. I have a story about the making of this meatloaf this morning, which I started <laughs> at like uh, 10, 30, 11 a.m. It's got a lot of parts to it. It's not a hard recipe by any means, but, uh, you know, it takes it takes several hours some of which are unattended. Mm-hmm. However, so uh, I uh, I used the food processor. I used the meat grinder. Uh, I basically got you know I, I filled my dishwasher twice, <laughs> and um, which which uh, which sounds like a complaint, but actually like I love the sound of my dishwasher, and um, it always like. My favorite thing in the world is to take a nap while the dishwasher is running. <laughs> really? Wait, so, do, you, do you nap in your bedroom or on the sofa? Because your sofa is closer to the dishwasher. Sometimes in the bedroom with the door open, sometimes on the sofa. I took two naps while making this meatloaf. <laughs> it was wow, amazing. Oh, Matthew. Well, I didn't sleep so great last night. And like, you know, I'm going to take a nap this morning. And then I, uh, I got the meatloaf in for the first half of the bake. I'm like... I'm going to take another nap. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going to make this meatloaf just so I can, so can take nap. a couple naps. Right. And now now that I've eaten the meatloaf, I kind of want to take a third nap. <laughs> so does this meatloaf have, uh, you know, people talk about a, a filler for a meatloaf, be it yeah. oatmeal or breadcrumbs. Yeah. Um, or... This one is bread. Yes. Um, it's um it's fresh bread, I believe, right? You um am I right? It I, is. I, I yes. haven't made this for a couple of years now because, because um, I wrote this book a while ago. Sure. No, no, that's... <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I still like like uh, a few weeks ago. I was interviewed like a, an hour long interview about my first book, which I wrote in like uh, you know came out in two thousand nine, I think. Yeah, and so that means I wrote it mostly in, like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I don't remember anything from that book. Like, why does anyone want to talk about that? <laughs> 
Um, anyway, wait, I, I interrupted. All, and now all, I don't remember what we were talking about. All of our friends are having about. babies now, so that that book is getting passed around. By the way, oh good. That that book is called Hungry <laughs> Actually, Monkey. Maybe, it's maybe available on a remainder table near you. <laughs> <laughs> I keep mine on top of my fridge because I consult it often. That's mm. very sweet. So you make yours free form, free form ish, but you take ish. this extra step. Yes. Yeah. So you <laughs> you shape it in a loaf pan, right? Right. Right. Yeah, so I mean, there so there is a big debate between freeform and in a loaf. Um, when you do it in the loaf, you get that you get that meat juice hot tub effect. I like um, to do it in a loaf. <laughs> yeah, I like to I like to do it in a meat juice hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but but then when you do it freeform, in particular with this meatloaf, because it has a lot of sort of it's it's the meatloaf mix is actually really loose. Like you could throw it against yep. a wall and it would spl- it's like drywall paste. You know, it's like you could splatter it on things. Um, oh, you didn't mention that. <laughs> you can use it to hold your house together. Um, it's it's really loose. So if you if with this particular meatloaf, if you try and do it freeform, that is you know just like shape it into a log on your on like a piece of aluminum foil, um, mm-hmm. it kind of spreads out, um, and you end up with a really flat meatloaf. Um, so what I do to solve that is I yeah I start it in a, I pack it into a loaf pan. Um, I cover it up with aluminum foil, heavy heavy duty foil, mm-hmm. um, and you bake it part way just until it's barely holding its shape, and then you take that whole pan with the foil and flip it over onto a tray, and then you kind of gently lift the pan like you're building a sandcastle you know you uh-huh. gently gently lift the uh the pan up and your meatloaf ends up um you know all the all that extra juice drains away um you end up with sort of all the benefits of a freeform meatloaf which is that you know you get a lot more surface area for glaze and for browning um but it has like a nice taller sliceable loaf shape to it okay yeah that part where you lift the pan o- up off the meatloaf was really fun did you like- just do like a, sh- a sloop Oh, it, it totally slooped. Yeah, no, I, I took a spatula and kind of eased the spatula under the edge. And, like, you know, there's some, like, uh, you know, resistance because there's, like, a partial vacuum like going sounds? on in there. Yeah, kind yeah. of. And then you go. And then and then you then you can lift it off. You know, the, the unveiling steam wafts out. What what other things do you get to unveil like that in, in the world of cooking? I mean, there's cakes. I mean, like there's cakes, cake. but there's, like, no slooshing sh- with and, and a cake. Like, unveiling yeah. a bunt cake is so fraught. It oh, is. I know. There's uh, no pleasure in that. Canned, canned chicken? Like a, it, it. Oh, I've... <laughs> You've seen these videos of, of a whole chicken in a can? No. no. You've never... Oh, God. Go to YouTube and and find videos of whole chickens in a can. There, there are there are like chicken uncanning entire videos devoted to ch- chicken uncanning. Oh, it's, so it's like a, an iPhone unboxing video. Only it's it a is. chicken yeah. in a I can. Mean, okay, yeah, great. it's like one of those. It looks like one of those giant cans of tomatoes, um, but inside is an entire chicken, um, and it's packed inside like this. It's jellied juices, and it comes out with a. I know what wow. I'm doing tonight. So we're gonna link to that for sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I've seen a lot of meatloaf recipes out there, right. and maybe some of these are in sort of like Italian inflected cookbooks, where they embed a whole hard-boiled egg mm, in the middle mm-hmm. of it, or you know, like three eggs down the middle of. Oh, oh, like, what do you think about that? That just seems like a bad idea to me. I, I mean, I think it could be I mean, fun. So, so when I was researching surprise! this recipe, <laughs> like, I, I have I have a book. Um, I can't remember when it's from. Like maybe the fifties, called Three Hundred Sixty Five Ways to Cook Hamburger. Sure. Um, and there's got to be like a, a few dozen meatloafs in there. Um, some of them like have sliced bananas on top. Um, obviously there's like your classic your classic ketchup. Yeah, I'm sure some of them have boiled eggs inside them. I mean, I think you know meatloaf is like a. Um, it's a, it's like a meat a meaty palate um, an empty meat palate for you to to experiment with I, I, you know once you get the basics right I think you can experiment as much as you want I we, think we maybe, need we need to give Matthew a minute to roll with empty meat palate well what I was gonna say is it seems like you're trying to sort of recreate a a backbone 
right. thing. Like, you know, this, <laughs> yes. we've, we've taken this animal, ground it up, like reconstituted in sort of like a, uh, a proto-animal shape, and now we're going to give it a spine. <laughs> oh, here, we've got it. So it's actually 70, 70 recipes for meatloaf inside Whoa. this book. Um, one of them is called Sunshine Meatloaf. So that's a meatloaf where you top it with canned peaches and fill the hole in the peaches with uh, ketchup. Um, there's one with green bananas that get mashed up into the meatloaf. Um, and then there's also one that gets topped with bacon and ripe bananas. Okay, so when, when uh, you know, food archaeologists of the future, you know, 70 years from now, uh, you know, look back on your book and our books and, like, uh, the, the food that people were eating in the, in the 2010s, teens, right. what, what things are they going to say, like, what was wrong with these people? <laughs> you know, are, are, is our food more normal now, or do we just think it's more normal because we're steeped in it? I, I think food is more normal now. I mean, so well, particularly, you know, in my book, I tried to I try to stay very, very normal. Um, you know, the, the whole goal of my book is to is to is not really about it's not really about the recipes. You know, the book is like a thousand pages and there's fewer than 300 recipes, <clears throat> which is uh, 20 times less recipes per page than the joy of cooking has. Um, wow. But, you know, the goal of the, the goal of the book is really sort of to teach you techniques and the basic science behind it so that and, and then the recipes are purposely quite, um, quite straightforward. So there's no there's no strange variations in them. But the idea is that by working through these recipes and understanding sort of the science and and the physics and the chemistry behind it, that um, you can then go forward and make, you know, make variations on your own and be sure that they're going to work because you understand mm-hmm. what makes it work. Mm-hmm. You know, but the joy of cooking has like whale recipes and squirrel yes. recipes and stuff. <laughs> it does. Yes. No whale in here. So uh, I feel like no discussion of meatloaf would be complete without meatloaf sandwiches. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm looking do forward you, to tomorrow. Do you want like if there's any left? Is, right. Should the meatloaf be cold? Is that just a given? Well, I actually like to make my meatloaf sandwiches sort of like I would make a hamburger. Like I, I like to slice the meatloaf and then put a slice of cheese on top of it and eat it in a hamburger bun. Nice. Okay. That's what I like. So um, would you do pickles. that while like with a freshly baked meatloaf? No, I would. I would let it chill. I would let it because it has to be leftovers. I think. I don't know why. I think it just has to be. Le- it just doesn't it's just feel a lot. Right. Yeah, I think it's probably going to taste right. a little better too. Probably. The yeah. Flavors develop overnight yeah. yeah i slice it cold and then i put it uh under the broiler um let it crisp up a little bit and then add a slice of cheese on top and crisp that it really caramelizes those up. bananas too yes <laughs> <laughs> um you want to take the, the ketchup filled peaches off before you put it under. Okay, yeah, yeah good to know <laughs> or <laughs> good can, to know. can spatter okay okay <laughs> oh, gross i don't know how do you make meatloaf sandwiches you know i tend to just eat the meatloaf colds mm-hmm. in my sandwich mm-hmm. and i like it pretty plain with just mayonnaise on one piece of bread and lettuce okay crunchy okay. white bread uh i don't usually have white bread around okay. but i think it would be not, best not, not like a bun like I, sliced bread yeah usually sliced bread and i do think it'd be best on white bread i think there's so many things that would be great on white bread and the unfortunate thing is is i never think to eat them all with <laughs> in the span of time that a single loaf is good yeah sure yes, yes. This is the great problem the, of our yeah, time. Yeah, the, the loaf span, if you will. Yeah, the good thing yes. though, is that loaf bread is cheap. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you just said you put mayonnaise on your meatloaf sandwich, which, mm. which seems weird to me. Oh, but, really? Well, yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm actually very anti-ketchup in most applications. Um, like, I don't like ketchup on my hamburger. I don't like ketchup no, on my hot neither. dog. I can't stand ketchup on my eggs. Like, I think it just sort of covers up the flavor of everything. But for some reason, ketchup seems like the natural pairing for meatloaf to me. But I feel like, I mean, so I glaze my meatloaf with... Mayonnaise. No, I glaze it with I wish the listener could see the gesture that went along with Molly saying, I glaze my meatloaf. (laughs) No, uh, no, I mean, I, I glaze my meatloaf 
with uh, a mixture of ketchup and something else that I now can't remember. <laughs> Great. I, whatever. Well, well, this one is whatever. ketchup, vinegar, and brown sugar. I think that's I think, it. I think mine simple. is just ketchup yeah. and brown sugar. Right. So it's got that, you know, there's at least, and since I, I bake mine free form too, there's at least like three sides of it that have the glaze. Right. So then I like that contrasted with the mayonnaise on the right, bread. Right, right, right. I guess, yeah, yeah, when you combine those flavors, you get like almost like a sort of, uh, like a Russian dressing, like a Thousand Islands style yeah, thing yeah, going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait a minute. So you said there are at least three sides that have the glaze. I'm trying to understand the geometry here. <laughs> well, it's freeform. Right. So the top and the sides. Well, okay. I guess the ends. All right. Yeah, that's five sides. If it, F- five yeah. sides. Well, then maybe of since, a it's, since it's freeform, the rectangle. edge is sort of rounded. Re- what's a 3D rectangle? A, a, a rectangular a, solid? Yeah. Rectu- <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. Rectangular solid. Par- parallel pipe. Well, I, well, I guess what, mine what? is sort of more like an oval. <laughs> I forget my So maybe geometry. it has no sides. Yeah, but but let's say or, that, or maybe let's one. say that like sixty percent of it has been coated in glaze. right. So everything right. except the bottom. Everything except the bottom. All right. Okay. Well, I'm really, really glad we got as precise about that as okay, we Okay, yeah. So, listeners, draw a diagram of what you think Molly's talking about with her meatloaf glaze. One, one time in the past, we asked people to uh, draw and uh, post on our Facebook page what they thought Molly was describing when she was describing a raclette set, and we got some amazing stuff. <laughs> Most of them looked like vaguely spider. Yes, of a, a certain genre of insect. I don't even know what a raclette said. This is like what you, what you have to like melt the cheese and. If you um, were going to make raclette in like a social setting right. with a number of your friends, okay, you could take out this special like griddle type thing and put it in the middle of. It's almost ah, like okay. a like okay. an electric griddle. Got it. But it's got slots in the side for tiny. Here I go again. Uh-huh. Slots in the side. <laughs> for tiny skillets that you can okay. put a little slice of raclette in. I don't know. I just so like each to... person has their own skillet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you're like hosting a and... classic raclette party. Uh, uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we did that in college. Yeah. I just like to like sit alone at night and, and use mine. <laughs> Oh, do, you, do you use every skillet for yourself, or do you just use one skillet? You just one skillet. Like, <laughs> lonely reclet. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the lonely recletman. The loneliness of a reclet set. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so, so we don't have to end on that uh, very, very sad note. Uh, one, one more question. Like, would you ever order meatloaf in a restaurant, or is it really, like, fundamentally home cooking? I just ordered meatloaf in a restaurant, uh-huh. actually, and, and it was it was in um it was in a town called um Loafburg w- Wartrace Wartrace. I, 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 it was called Wartrace, but I couldn't tell if it was Wartrace or Wartrace. Got to be um, Wartrace <laughs> in uh, in Tennessee. Um, I was at a family reunion uh, outside of Nashville, in Tennessee, and the closest restaurant was a t- was a tiny mom and pop shop in a town nice. called Wartrace. Um, and they were it was like I, home, you know, it was real home cooking, southern home cooking. So the, the daily special was meatloaf. I ordered the meatloaf, and it was great. And so. Was it uh, like a slice from a bigger loaf, or had they made those like little cutesy individual loaves? They don't do that. They don't yeah, mess don't around like with that, that. in Wartrace. I don't yeah. like that. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't think they even have individual loaf pans in Wartrace. Um, no, it was a, it was a slice, and it came with ketchup on a bottle on the side, uh, some really really well done green beans, um, and some mashed potatoes. It was great. That sounds fantastic. And a never nice. ending giant Coke. Wow. Wow. I want to go there. Yeah, you you want to go to you want to go to Wart Race. Yes, no Wart Race. Okay. Can we just um we didn't really ask Kenji here to 
to just tell us a little bit about what the Food Lab is. Yeah, you're oh, right. Can you tell us about that just before we go? Yeah, well, so the Food Lab is is my column. It's online. You can Google it. It's free to read. Um, but it's also now a book. Um, and the, the book is partly drawn from what's online, but um, a lot of a lot of new material and obviously done in a very different format. Um, but, you know, the, the goal of the Food Lab is always sort of to, um, well, the tagline is, unraveling the mysteries of home cooking through science, um, which is a pretty good description of what it does. Um, so the idea is always to sort of demonstrate um, the basic uh, science behind what you're cooking and how understanding that science will help you become a better cook. And that's on Serious Eats, the uh, website Serious It's on Eats. the website Serious Eats, yeah. yep. Which, uh, which has all kinds of other good stuff, too. It I mean, does, a lot of good stuff. I got to say, the Food Lab is my favorite column there, but uh, I write some stuff for them occasionally, too. Yes, yes. <laughs> This episode has been brought to you by Third Love. Third Love's 24-7 t-shirt bra may be the most comfortable bra you'll ever own. It's made out of super soft memory foam that molds to your shape and truly gives you the perfect fit. They stand behind their product so much that they're willing to let our listeners try this bra for free for 30 days. If you love it, keep it and they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, send it back and they'll charge you nothing. Start your free trial now at thirdlove.com slash spilled milk. You can find us online at SpilledMilkPodcast.com, where we'll post a link to uh, the Food Lab book. We'll post a link to uh, Kenji's Food Lab column at Serious Eats, and we'll post a link to specifically the meatloaf recipe. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the chicken uncanning. Oh, and a chicken uncanning (laughs) video. Right. Mm -hmm. Can Um, we get Molly's recipe, too? Oh, yeah. I bet we could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Sure. We'll make you write that up. I'm I'm a little bit scared now to uh, have it face off with you. (laughs) Oh. Mine doesn't involve Marmite or gelatin or a, a your, slurry of, of stuff in a pan to season the, the and meat. yours probably also takes a reasonable amount of time to make. It does. It does. It does. Well, and it has like a, a, a shape that geometry cannot define, <laughs> yes. which makes it kind of special. It's a hypercube meatloaf. It's, it's like six dimensional. Um, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash spilled milk podcast, where you can tell us about your meatloaf memories or, or like what you did at Bandcamp, and uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. I want to thank again uh, Kenji Lopez-Alt for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. And until next time, uh, you can catch us all in the new movie, uh, Mad Max Wart Race. <laughs> I'm Matthew Amster-Burton. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg. Oh, and I'm Kenji. If you're giving someone a high five, you should look at the other person's elbow. Um, Really? And that, like, makes you stick the high five a higher percentage of the time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 